what we need to realize is just how bad it is out there and how very much we need our protectors. Hey folks, I want to tell you about a product developed by a friend of mine, Navy SEAL Dr. Kirk Parsley. It's called the Sleep Remedy. I tried it recently during my Unbeatable Mind Summit, and boy, this stuff works. I can't say enough good things about it. I fell asleep quickly, didn't wake up feeling groggy, and uh, man, I, I was like rock and roll the next day. Doc Parsley designed this to help Navy SEAL teammates back in 2009. They had been coming to him and they were having a huge problem with sleep. And, and this is not just SEALs and spec ops that have this problem. It's everybody, or many people I should say, who are hyper successful. So he concocted these things from things that are normally associated with developing, you know, or the, the chemicals that are in your brain that, that help facilitate sleep. And so he pulled them together and now he's put it all into one you know, powder-based product. It's been hugely successful. He's been on the market now for a little while. And, you know, what he said in his talk to us was that everything is degraded when you don't sleep. Your emotions, um, your emotional balance, your decision-making, problem-solving, your impulse control, willpower, they're all degraded because these are all controlled by your prefrontal cortex. And it gets impaired by up to 30% with one single night of sleep where you're deprived. And then furthermore, all of your hormones, testosterone, growth hormone, and uh, they all decrease. The production of those decrease by also up to 30% with just a single night of sleep where you're deprived. And deprived could be just a limited, you know, just an hour off. Doc Parsley's sleep remedy designed to concentrate the most important nutrients that you need when you're preparing to go to sleep. It is drug-free. It's a nutritional supplement. And thousands of people, like I said, have tried it. First responders, Navy SEALs, athletes, CEOs, and they all find that it's very useful. Uh, if you're interested in trying it, there's an unlimited, no questions asked, money back guarantee. And you can get 10% off by entering the code UNBEATABLEMIND when you order it at docparsley, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com. So enter UNBEATABLEMIND in the coupon code box at docparsley.com. I recommend you check it out. Yeah. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine. Welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I don't take it lightly. I know you got a lot of things vying for your attention, way more than you probably should, but that's neither here nor there. The fact that you're listening means that you're focusing in on the right things at the right time for the right reason. So good job on that. And today we will not disappoint my guest today is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. You may have heard about him. Um, I certainly have uh, read two of his books on killing and on combat, and um, I'll get into a little bit more of uh, a, a lengthier introduction in a second. But before I do, I am really passionate about helping vets this year. 2018 is the year where I, you know, a month ago I said, God, I, I got to do something. You know, I can't just talk about it. Um, you know, I got to do something. And I started this foundation and we we're like, hey, we're working on vets. We're going to help vets. And I took four vets to Greece and we hiked the trail from Sparta to Thermopylae. And it was profoundly effective and a profound experience for all of us. And it really inspired me to think bigger. And so I decided that this year, with the help of a bunch of other hardy individuals, we're going to do 22 million burpees. Everybody can do a burpee. And even if you don't want to do a burpee, you can support us uh, by pledging some money. Uh, it doesn't have to be any more than a penny or a half a cent or whatever amount you want. I'm committing personally to 100,000 burpees. I'm looking for 1,000 people to, or 900 more people to join me because I've got 100 lined up. We're already at the $4 million or $4 million burpee commitment, and we just started this uh, January 1st. So our goal is to do 22 million burpees, and the reason for that number is there's 22 veterans who are suffering from post-traumatic stress, who are committing suicide every day. That is unsat. And we've got to do something about it. We've got to help these guys. There is a way to help them. It's not easy, but there is a way, right? 
They need community. They need purpose. They need to learn how to breathe again. They need to learn how to manage their stress and and haul themselves out of their their uh, their darkness. And we're going to help them. And so we're going to use the money we raise to directly impact. Hopefully, our goal is fifty vets this year through an immersion program with an aftercare, which is critical. But anyways, you can learn more all about that at burpeesforvets.com, burpeesforvets.com, and that'll take you to either the information at Courage Foundation. So thanks for that. And um, this is something that Lieutenant Colonel Grossman knows a lot about. He's a retired Army, uh, you know, West Point teacher, internationally recognized scholar, author, like I said, of uh, some books that have been extraordinarily influential in the military and in law enforcement, and really kind of, you know, quote unquote, wrote the book on what the psychology of warfare when it comes to the individual combatant. His uh, most recent book is Assassination Generation. Now he's taking it a look at what he learned in warfare and applying it to kind of a broader um, issue of what's happening in society with, you know, the, the society of violence, coined the term killology, which I'm really in- interested in learning about. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is really timely information. And, and uh, Colonel Grossman has been at this for many years, and he is the, you know, prevailing expert on this subject. So, Colonel Grossman, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate you joining us. You bet, Mark. Honored to be on board. And, uh, and, uh, and all the good things that you've been achieving out there. I'm eager to talk to you about some aspects of that. Yeah, thanks very much. So before we kind of get like into some of the, the research things and, you know, what it means to be sheepdog strong and all that, can you give our audience a little sense about kind of who you are at a personal level? How, you know, where did you grow up? What were your early influences? How did you get drawn into the military? How did you get interested in all this stuff? You know, I, I grew up as a cop's kid, a veteran's kid. I, uh, uh, my dad started the Wyoming in 1962. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, grew up in the martial arts, uh, enlisted in the 82nd Airborne Division in 1974. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to OCS in 78. Uh, in I graduated December 7th, a, a day that will live in infamy. Yeah, I've on my Lieutenant Spars, uh, West Point Psych Professor, uh, Army Ranger, uh, had the honor to. Uh, right. So you you, you you didn't go to West Point until fourteen years in your career. So what yeah. was the what was the career like? You got it. I mean, those are that's a long fourteen years. Very formative. Yeah, I, I, I started out with the old Ninth Infantry Division at Fort Lewis, Washington, at the high tech test bed, a platoon leader uh, uh, and uh, weapons platoon leader, Company XO, Battalion S One, uh, mm. and I. They all went real well. The Army gave me uh, eighteen months to finish my bachelor's degree. At that mm-hmm. time, uh, to grow OCS, OCS, all you needed was a two-year degree. Uh-huh. OCS is just a dirt cheap resource for the military compared to the others. They, they gave us 18 months of finish our bachelor's degree. Hmm. Well, right. you know, first, it's first time since I was 18 years old, I didn't get up every morning and bang my head against the Bing Green Wall out there. Well, it's like there's another world out there. I want more of this. Right. And so uh, I, I, uh, I ended up... Uh, Going to the seventh interdivision uh, and uh, uh, company command, uh, division staff, doing some neat things there, and uh, mm-hmm. was selected to teach at West Point, which is one of the paths to get a, a degree on the Army's time. Okay, and, uh, yeah. and it was awesome. And uh, then West Point, you know, about half of the professors at West Point were uh, our uh, grads. About half are ROTC, and at the time, I was the only OCS grad there. You know, it's kind of cool. Huh. It was a good setup. Uh, I, uh, I'm an OCS grad. I taught at West Point. I ran an ROTC program. If you needed to know about any of them, I, I give you some insight. But uh, it was a great ride uh, academically, but very, very psychologically, very refreshing. I, I'd actually written and got permission for my first book on killing. You know, I, I enlisted in 74 and in uh, 82nd. We had Vietnam vets all around us. Mm-hmm. We wanted to know what combat was going to be like. And they wouldn't say it's just this weird thing, you know, that people wouldn't talk about it. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? My my initial focal point was, well, it's about killing. They want to talk about killing. It's very intimate. It's very personal. And so I wrote my first book on killing. And uh, mm-hmm. a very, very useful and valuable book academically. But what I found out, and I uh, I, uh, I ran an ROTC program. I went to Arkansas State University in 1989. Uh, Clinton was president, Cold War was over, and 
My wife and I asked ourselves, how, how can we best use the gifts we've been given? Mm-hmm. That's most lives. And I'd had lots of invitations to come and speak. They've taken all of my leave time and, uh, and weekends to do presentations. So I, I pulled the plug and uh, left the big green machine. And uh, I, uh, I was going to polish up my PhD at a fully funded uh, uh, scholarship. And, uh, and I realized in the first year I wouldn't have time for it. Mm-hmm. And 20 years now, been on the road 20 years. And we added up. One year it was 280. Last year it was 210 days on the road. We would tell people over 200 days, around average 250 days a year on the road. Uh, I train every every federal agency. I train cops in all 50 states. I think I'm the only law enforcement trained in America, both certified in all 50 states. I've had the honor to train all of our tier one spec ops. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, after I got out in 98, until the war began, the only people who were in combat was law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I was training across this law enforcement community, but I was just absorbing data. Just this amazing insight. And for those who fully prepared themselves, you know, killing's just not that big a deal. And what I found out was the important part was what I put in on combat. You know, the auditory exclusion, the slow motion time, the, you know, the, the tunnel vision, the sensory gating, the you know, and then the, and the way, you know, the, the memory gaps and the memory distortions mm-hmm. and how it would blindside people because nobody warned them what was going to happen. And right. even more important is we warned about what I call the puppy coming for a visit. You know, uh, you know, you touch a hot stove as a child, boom, neurons are seared into your brain, never touch that stove again. But that same kind of powerful neural pathway is established in combat. Right. And what happens is something happens and it sparks the memory. And, and I, we got a human brain line atop the dog brain. I call it the puppy brain, the dog underneath there. And uh, 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 Arkansas State Trooper, first gunfight, everything's great. Week later, up in the bleachers with his wife, watching his daughter in a swim meet. Starter's gun goes off when he doesn't expect it. Boom, heart's pounding, gasping for air, drenched with sweat. His wife thought he's having a heart attack. It's not a heart attack, we call panic attack. Exactly. It is not PTSD. It's normal. Right. Don't be warned it might happen. And uh, this whole business where we see it most with my cops is the cops in a deadly force incident. A week later, a month later, six months later, it goes to qualify. First time he pulls that trigger again, the puppy's going crazy. That neural pathway, you know, the, the puppy blew a hole through the screen door, grabbed you by the throat, peed in your lap. And <laughs> it. And then here comes the puppy, you know, six months later, you go to qualify and, and you're shaking and, and your heart's pounding and, and, and nobody warned you this might happen. It is not. Right. It's normal. That's that's really, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was really where it was at. And that's what I found to be a great value. And, and can we talk about our veterans for a minute? Because this is the latest stuff. Been doing a lot of work with our veterans. You know, you mentioned 22 veterans a day take their life. Now, best we can tell, that's accurate. You got to extrapolate an awful lot of data. It's probably a pretty good guesstimate. But what's important is the vast majority of that 22 are not from the current war. Right. And, and that's, boom, a big flathead center. Of course, there's, there's those Vietnam vets. There's those Gulf War vets. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, the, the, the VFW, the American Legion, tells us several million people are fraudulently claiming to be Vietnam veterans. Are we counting them? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the point is that uh, of that 22, only it, one's too many. But only a small number from the current war. There's this there's a, a, a anti-war propaganda that war is evil and it destroys everybody, must never go to war again. Well, well we got to view it with clear eyes with the data. One of the, one of the biggest lies out there is, uh, is that all of our veterans have PTSD. You know, the senator from California says all veterans are insane. They should never be trusted. They should have their guns taken away. Front page article, front page article in USA Today on how cops are hiring veterans, military veterans to be cops. And what an awful thing that is because they're all suffering from PTSD. And it's a complete and total problem. You'd be ahead to dig for this data. I'm presenting this at national, international conferences, uh, psych conferences, you know, the highest levels. And there's just no doubt about this. Uh, used to be you had to dig for this, but the VA tells us now, if you if you Google, you know, uh, what percentage of our veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan get PTSD? The VA tells us 16% of the veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan have PTSD. 11% of the troops who did not deploy have PTSD. Mm-hmm. About 5% contract PTSD. 
the two best U.S. standards, the Veterans Administration, the British studies, their troops in Afghanistan, the Dutch study, their troops in Afghanistan. They keep coming up with about 5%. And, uh, and they're really looking at that 5%, but, you know, five, we got 3 million veterans in this war. 5% is 3 million people is a lot of people. Keep it in perspective. But I keep running to veterans who think there's something wrong with them because there's nothing wrong with them. And, and there's this myth that our veterans are suicidal, homicidal, PTSD-riddled nutcases, and who would want to hire one of those? But what I tell people is if you gave a hoot about our veterans, this misrepresentation of our veterans, this smear campaign, and, and I'll tell you where it came from. You can Google this and look it up there. The first group of troops coming back from Iraq, uh, a pretty good study, and 30 to 40% had some symptoms of PTSD. Now, that is not PTSD. It's normal. A lot of noise goes off. Boom, you hit the dirt. That's a symptom of PTSD. It's also a survival mechanism that'll take a while to go away. So very, very, very good study. 30, 40% had some symptoms. The media reported it. Not one week later, they took one word out. That's not a lie, is it? Take one word out. 30, 40% had symptoms of PTSD. Took out the sun. A couple weeks later, take out one more word. 30, 40% have PTSD. And, and Google, 40% PTSD, so many times it comes up, and every single time it's a lie. So, so the, the point is that the main problem our veterans have is getting jobs. There's this smear of our veterans that they're homicidal, suicidal, PTSD-riddled nutcases, but the truth is just the opposite. A veteran is less than a tenth as likely to commit a violent crime as a non-veteran of the same age. Uh, they are a new greatest generation coming home. They're our best and brightest. 5% uh, contracted PTSD, 16% of overall have PTSD, but the vast majority need one thing. They need jobs. I tell people, hire a vet. They have maturity. They have experience. They have discipline and special bonus order now. That's less than a tenth as likely to kill you as a non-veteran of the same age. What a deal. <laughs> so so th this dynamic up front of our, of our veterans, and, and, and I've come full cycle from going from the military to going to law enforcement and coming back to our veterans. And, and put out the big message. And the other thing about PTSD is that we're really good at treating it. We get better every day. Um, medical science moves on. Another lie, cover of Time magazine, PTSD, again, treatable disease. It, it, it is a lie. Yeah, we have hundreds of thousands of cases of PTSD cases we treat and recovered fully. Uh, and and, and I, I present at national, international psych conferences. I have every flavor of shrink in the audience. I say, what? How many of you personally know of cases, personally, for your own personal experience, where PTSD was treated and recovered fully? Half the hands go up. Mm -hmm. Everybody, they hand up and spoke with a finger in the eye of the lion dog that says PTSD is for life. Yeah, so why in, in the face of ever-advancing medical science, why in the face of hundreds of thousands of cases of PTSD were treated and recovered fully, why in the face of the indomitable human spirit, why? Would any mental health professional say PTSD is for life? Two reasons. Number one, politics. You know, war is evil and they're all driven mad. It must never go to war again. The price of war is too high. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Number two, job security. If, if, I, if I hook you to a lifetime of therapy, and maybe with a lifetime of therapy, we can adapt. No. Hey, we're increasingly convinced if you want to get better and get the proper treatment, almost everybody recover fully from PTSD, better from the experience. I, I trained a major SWAT team, major national SWAT team. During the break, they came on, hey, hey, Colonel, the, the doc psyched this guy off the team. Now doc says, okay, can we trust him? Yes, you can trust him. He's stronger with experience. He's got a piece of paper says he's saying, you got one of those. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I, I, you know, in the SEAL community, I thought you guys can eat your own and, and kind of pick away at each other, but uh, they're magnificent really across the board. Next door is a, uh, uh, in Missouri, the governor of the state of Missouri is a seal. What a magnificent guy. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's getting taken down. Yeah. And then another, another big guy is Luttrell, Marcus Luttrell, lone survivor. And he has a podcast. I was on a podcast a little over a year ago. And I got his permission to talk about him. That's all these years to talk about it. Now I have his permission. I was able to work with his, his whole team before and after the incident. And, and, uh, and, and I tell people, PTSD, post-traumatic stress is like being overweight. Post-traumatic stress disorder is like being obese. There's a big difference between overweight and obese. Mm -hmm. And post-traumatic stress disorder is obese. We use that 
that final word, that final D, far too lightly. A lot of people have post-traumatic stress. It becomes post-traumatic growth. It's stronger for the experience. But Marcus Luttrell's doc told me he came back to that incident, and he was 500 pounds PTSD, totally debilitated. Mm-hmm. A year later, he's 50 pounds PTSD. He wanted to deploy again with his unit, and he did, and it was a good thing. And I told him at the time, look how far you've come in just the last year. Have confidence you can come farther. He tells us now that he is 100% post-traumatic free. Uh, mm-hmm. His friend said he, he, was a, he was a mean sucker before, and he's a mean sucker afterwards. He's still a mean sucker, but he's post-traumatic stress too. <laughs> uh, and, and now it took years. And it wasn't easy. A man like that, about the other end, totally free of post-traumatic stress. Anyone can. And so yeah. the message we got to send to people is the vast majority of the veterans are stronger from the experience. They're the new greatest generation. The small percentage that need help, have faith the help can help. And please. For many mental health professionals, it says PTSD is for life. And, you know, I, I got an email from a British psychiatrist. He said, Dave, everything I'm reading says that the American troops are getting 40% PTSD. The British are 5% PTSD. What's the difference? The difference is lying dirtbags in the media. <laughs> this persistent theme of the broken veteran, this, this, this malignant misrepresentation of veterans should take us off right down to our socks. A new British generation is coming home. And men like you are taking the lesson in the battlefield and applying it to a broader span of our civilization. It's magnificent times. I'm, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> the, the movie left out the scouring of the Shire. But maybe one of the most beautiful parts of the movie. The hobbits come back to Hobbiton. That evil's gotten his grip in there, and they kick tail and sort things out. The idea of the returning veteran, the greatest generation, coming mm-hmm. home and using their skills to, to make the world a better place. It's a beautiful thing, and that's what, that's what you represent. Yeah, you're right. I think that's happening, um, you know, in a lot of areas. The Halo Neurostimulation System will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeatable Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested. And I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now, Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com and at checkout use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, one two five, which will give you hundred and twenty five dollars off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use Unbeatable Mind one two five at haloneuro.com, h a l o n e u r o dot com, to get hundred and twenty five dollars off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. Who ya? There's a couple thoughts I have on on PTS. Um, I agree with what you're saying about the media and you know. Um, the vets getting a really bad rap. I think that the, the the vets that get PTS, oftentimes it's unresolved issues that they had prior to going in the military. Absolutely. Right? And if you do the statistics against the general population, right, from a pure number standpoint, it's probably about the same statistical number are committing, you know, have the horrible, you know, the D part, the horrible problems and and suicidal and depression and all that. My issue is that, you know, these guys and ladies just aren't getting the support they need from within the system. And the VA has been pumping them up with, you know, with basically the pharmacology, uh, you know, cornucopia. And so I think that we have to basically call follow on that too and then step in and help them out with the things that you talk about that we know work right we know how to inoculate against stress and further stress through through you know martial techniques such as breath control and yes. and uh, movement and you know nature and having a, a teammate and a mentor and a buddy and having a mission again and all those things and there's some great organizations out there so yeah i mean it, there is a solution and people can heal. And I, I just got a call today from one of the guys we took in Greece and we walked uh, 200 and I don't know, some odd miles in eight days. 
And we did breathing training and visualization and, and we had just awesome, you know, communing at night over beer and beef and you know <laughs> pork and whatever they eat over there. It was awesome. We had an amazing time. And this guy has been completely transformed in eight days. Now he needs, you know, long-term work just like everyone else. But this guy had been down and out for like 10 years and obese and was in a wheelchair before he started training for this event. But now he's almost healed, you know, so. I think there's value for our whole community to understand. You know, we talk about suicide. Uh, the media doesn't like to talk about suicide. They found out they report suicide. They get more suicides. This reporting about vets being suicidal, one of the, one of the major factors could be constantly hanging that out there is a reminder, putting that in their minds when they might not otherwise have had it. Right. But suicide across Asia, across Europe, across North America is at levels in our darkest nightmares we never imagined. Suicide yeah, it's, it's been going up year to year and also specifically for men. Yes. And here's what's happening. And, and this is terribly important. Uh, the critical new component is sleep deprivation. Yeah. Now, we always knew that alcohol and suicide had a close relationship. Mm-hmm. Alcohol creates impaired judgment. You make a bad decision, you never get a chance to rethink it. Mm-hmm. The, most, the most pervasive form of impaired judgment is sleep deprivation. I agree. After 18 hours without sleep, your impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk. After 24 hours without sleep, your impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally. After two or three days without sleep, you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School will tell you about hallucinations on about the third day without sleep. Right. So what's happening is this. We have a new component in our society. We have video games, we have social media, we have cell phones. And our bodies are incompetent at making us get enough sleep. It always happened naturally. It got dark. body didn't have to make you sleep. Our bodies are pretty good in the air, food, water. We've got to watch it. Our bodies are truly incompetent at getting sleep. And so what we have is we've got video games and cell phones. And here, here's, here's what I tell people with our kids. i, I got teenage grandkids now. Uh, when you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. Mm-hmm. Cell phone in the room, the laptop in the room. They got to go to the room and sleep. Uh, a cop told me, he said, he said, I had a good girl. He said, she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. So I trusted her. And she took her life. She killed mm-hmm. herself. He said, he, said, uh, he said, I never knew the hell my little girl was living in. Until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And she's up all night long trying, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody else that will stand up for her. He said, my little girl was sleep deprived and bullied to death. Oh and my the, gosh. One, the one thing on earth I could have done for her was take right. her cell phone every night, send her to bed, let her get a good night. He said, he said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How do I expect my children to? And, and there's, and, and you know, uh, drug overdoses, if impaired judgment is a critical factor in drug overdoses, traffic accidents, traffic fatalities have been coming down decade to decade. Now they're back up again. We have an <laughs> epidemic of sleep deprivation. The three major killers of our kids is suicide, traffic accidents, and drug overdoses. And all three, sleep deprivation, impaired judgment, is a critical component. So we're fighting a, a worldwide epidemic. We're trying to digest a new form of, of, of technology with these cell phones and these video games. There's been a, a lot in the news recently on how your children should not have cell phones. The cell phones are, are, are harmful to children. They're addictive. They're, and, yeah. and how we got to be so very careful in how we use them. Uh, you have a big push from the investors in Apple to lobby them to do something to figure out how to limit uh, kids using cell phone. And I just checked out a new company called Lightphone, which is basically like it's a, it's like a throwback to the eighties. It's, it's just a simple phone with, but it ports over the telephone number from your, um, you know, from your iPhone or something, so you can leave it behind. And uh, you know you can you know because that's my my son's eighteen and anytime we try we take his phone away or we did that and he was like well how am I supposed to contact you I'm like we're like yeah. we know you're fine you know trust me yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if we could give him a, the flip phone back I, I know so there is a little movement in that area I hundred percent we talk about sleep a lot on this show and you know Doctor Parsley is a SEAL um, great guy doctor. I don't know if you know Doc yeah he's a great guy so he's doing great work and trying to expose the you know the problem of sleep as well 
Can I ask you a little bit about the, um, you know, the, on this subject of our social change, it's near and dear to everyone's heart. And you wrote this book, Assassination Generation, because I've often wondered, like, what is the effect of someone who sits in front of a first, you know, person shooter video game for hours at a time? And what's happening uh, in the world regard to that? Is some of the violence we see uh, related to social media and to video games? And it seems to me that it must be, huh? Our, our entire medical committee, three surgeon generals screaming from the mountainside that Media violence is a factor in, in, in violence in our society. You know, my first book on killing, at the end of the book, I added this little thing. Well, here's how we teach the military to kill. And by the way, something very similar is happening in video games. Right. He's a great agent. He's been a friend ever since, now 30 years. He said, you know, you need to dig a little deeper into that. And so the final section, and, and here it is in a nutshell, and I think everybody can understand it. We look at some horrible crime. We say, ah, that proves we're all killers. No, that's an outlier. You get big enough population, I'll give you every possible outlier. Mm -hmm. Explain to me that 99% of our citizens will go a lifetime, never kill anybody, and never try to. That's a hard part to explain. Divorce, mm -hmm. infidelity, layoff, traffic accidents, and 99 plus percent of our citizens will go through a lifetime of that stuff and never once even try to kill somebody. Explain that. Inside mm -hmm. most healthy members of most species, this is resistance against killing your own kind. The military slammed into that in World War II. We learned how to overcome it with pop-up targets and photorealistic targets and simulators. And we know absolutely no without a doubt the same thing happened in the video games. So here, here's where we are. This is so important, a critical concept. I'm, I'm the guest lecturer at criminal justice programs in colleges. And I tell them, number one, the CJ, the entire criminal justice community, is totally based on a misrepresentation. We look at the murder rate on the number mm -hmm. of people murdered. It's the gold standard. No, it's not. Because the docs are saving ever more lives every year. On the battlefield at nine, a wound that nine out of ten times would have killed World War II. On the modern battlefield, you survive that wound nine out of ten times. Right. The same Point. thing is true in our streets. Mm -hmm. A major UMass Harvard study, irrefutable data, peer-reviewed journal, if we had 1970s medical technology, the murder rate would be four times what it is. And that data is almost 20 years old. Hmm. The bounds of medical technology every day holding down the murder rate. The number of dead people around the planet completely underrepresent the problem. And, and year after year. So we should be looking at what? The attempted murder rate? It, it, that's a better measure. Aggravated assault yeah. rate. Uh, 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 Interpol calls it serious assault rate. Different nations define it differently. What's mm -hmm. important is, is not comparing between nations, but within each nation, how they measure violence and it's going up. So mm -hmm. what, what I want you to understand is for, for over a decade, every year, that number of people murdered in America came down. Hmm. Not just the murder rate. Population's up, number of people murdered down, almost solely because of medical technology. And then in 2015, 1,700 more Americans murdered the year before. The number should be coming down. 2016, hmm. 1,300 more Americans murdered. The number should be coming down. For every murder, there are thousands and thousands of horrendous assaults and, and mutilations and, and lifetime injuries. The murder, again, the tip of that iceberg. But two years straight, we've seen an explosion of murder like nothing we've seen since the American Civil War. The, 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 the Attorney General Sessions did a, a press release on this. Look what's happening. The media said, oh, well, that's nothing compared to the 1970s. You bastards! Compare them straight to the 1970s. It's a total abomination, a complete misrepresentation of the situation. We're in, mm -hmm. we're in big trouble. And, and the, the FBI had said that it's the Ferguson effect. And that's part of the equation. They said, we've cut the legs from under our cops who've empowered our criminals. The FBI says, we've created a sense of anger in our criminals. I call it a sense of righteous indignation. Look, I'm an old geezer. Uh, I, maybe I'm out of touch. I always thought, if you're a criminal, you'd live your life in fear. You're a criminal. You broke laws of society. They're going to get you. And, and now we've created this sense of righteous indignation in our criminals that the entire medical, and my book, Assassination Generation, talks about the, the Supreme Court case and, 
of this scholarly research in the background. If, if you want more data on this, look at Assassination Generation. It's blowing the doors off people. The media, the major publisher, Little Brown, major release, not one single review. Mm-hmm. It's a topic wow. they don't want to touch. And, and so the book Assassination Generation, doing great uh, uh, on combat, on killing, also talks about that. Uh, this is a, this is what we need to realize is just how bad it is out there, and how very much we need our protectors, our guardians, our warriors, yeah, our, sheep. our sheepdogs. Yeah. How desperately we need our sheepdogs. Yeah. This podcast is supported by Qualia, brought to you by the Neurohacker Collective. Qualia is a nootropic, that's a brain supplement essentially, that will help you reach your full potential cognitively. Now, I love this product. I use it every day and when I run out, I feel like I'm, you know, maybe missing out. When I take the Qualia, I'm able to think more clearly and I feel more focused and engaged. You know, it really also helps me when I'm tired and overwhelmed get back into my game. I think Qualia is a breakthrough product and the ingredients are all extremely high quality and they cover a broad spectrum of neurological capacities. So you're going to have to check it out and research it for yourself, but the best way to do that is to actually try it. And Qualia, the team over there, has offered you a 15% off the price of a monthly subscription. That is awesome. I mean, that is is extremely generous. So if you want to get 15% off and try out Qualia, then go and get a monthly subscription. Just try it out for a couple months using the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R. Don't forget the R. UNBEATABLEMIND15R. And it's sold at their website, neurohacker.com. N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. Neurohacker.com. Use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R to get 15% off that monthly subscription. Check it out. I think this stuff is awesome to support your training in developing an unbeatable mind. Hoo-yah. You know, one thing that I've talked about with my folks that I train, uh, you know, I train a lot of warriors, uh, obviously, but, you know, it's over the years, as my business has grown, then, the, you know, statistically speaking, I'm training way more civilians. And I say that, you know, everyone needs to step up and be a sheepdog. You know, you don't have to wear a uniform, you know. And and I had some people who were in Las Vegas at the uh, at that concert when that shooter started, and they were students of ours. They're not law enforcement. They were, yeah. they were just civilians, you know, just, quote, unquote. <laughs> and they had taken our training, you know, they'd been to our 50-hour Kokoro camp, which is our Hell Week sim. And so they'd had some inoculation training, so to speak, and they knew how to deal, find cover and deal with that st- stuff, even though we weren't teaching them that. They knew what to do. And so I'm thinking that that type of training is is almost like – should be mandatory these days in schools, right? How do you teach kids to deal with, you know, how do we teach people to deal with this stuff and step up and be sheepdogs in their own little world, right? I want to share with you and your audience out there. I've got two kids' books. And the first one, go to Amazon and get a copy. First one is Sheepdogs, Meet Our Nation's Warriors. Awesome. The whole sheepdog model is there for kids. Blowing them away. Got an email from a cop just today saying he read it to a six-year-old and the six-year-old loved it. And he said, I couldn't help but choke up. It's deep as you read about it. There's deep things in there. Kids get it. At the end of, the, at the end of it is, an, is the original Sheepdog essay, which is an extract out of on combat. Um, just go to Amazon. Get a copy of the kids' book, Sheepdogs. And uh, it'll blow your doors off. It's written by myself and an and a, and a elementary teacher who's an NCS yes. wife, a cop's wife. Uh, and then our second one, the first one, pretty much about military law enforcement. But it says everybody can be a sheepdog. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then we said at the end of it, we said, you know, in, in nature, the wolf is born a wolf and they're not really bad. And they're part of nature and dogs are born dogs and sheeps are born sheep and they can never be anything else. But people are different. We can be mm-hmm. whatever we want to be. Right. We've got what it takes to be a sheepdog. And, and the kids get that after going through that book. And but the, people said, well, well, what about civilians? Yeah, you know, we mentioned civilians in passing and here and there, but. So the second kid's book was My Mommy Carries a Gun. It's a book. <laughs> it is a book. It's got, uh, it's, it, it just talks about, you know, uh, the universal guns. If, if anybody in the family carries a gun, here's what we want the kids to know. Our second Amendment, uh, you know, four universal gun safety laws, famous sheepdogs in our history, 
we go through this uh, page on various sheepdogs out there, and wrap up with Chris Kyle. We, we were able to give a copy to his widow. At, uh, I, I spoke at the NRA. Uh, NRA had two conferences last year, uh, the Kerry Guard and the main NRA, and I spoke all three days at both conferences. I, I presented at the, you know, the Well-Armed Women's Conference, which is a huge movement. Neat things are happening. The, hmm. the leadership conference was 900 women. It was amazing. The Well-Armed Women the, is a group. The, the wow. Well-Armed Women, and they have chapters everywhere. My daughter and I get involved <laughs> wow. now. We have a gun business, sheepdogknifeandgun.com. We have about nine patents. My my son is, uh, well, one son is an Air Force combat controller. Another one is uh, is a master gunsmith. And then my my S3 in my shop, my ops guy is a, is a, I got three boys and he's a champion rock climber. So it's kind of fun, but we've got, um, we're really woven in with that, that gun community with patents and ideas and concepts. Uh, our, our website is sheepdogknifeandgun.com. But uh, this whole dynamic of equipping our protectors, starting at a young age, helping them understand that. And, and that's what these books are about. And that's what you're about, what I'm about, to raise that next generation straight and tall and true with the old virtues and the old values and, and to sustain ourselves through some, some pretty bad times that it's going to get worse. Yeah. If someone experiences a situation like Las Vegas, and I had uh, I had a couple of people, you know, who, who called me and said, hey, you know, uh, I was able to respond well because of it. And then I had a, my neighbor who had no training and, you know, he knew about my work, but I hadn't, you know, connected with it. And he was there with his family and his wife and kids. And he said, you know, what do I do? And, I, you know, I, I fumbled through an answer, but what would you say to him? You know, if you've exposed, if you've been part of a violent, right. aggressive event like that. You know, what I tell people is, what's, what's the first thing you should do? And, and then, you know, what's the long-term uh, thing? But what, what I tell people is there's a balancing act here. And the simplest and hardest things in, in, in life is balance. Uh, and and what I tell you, on one side is a pity party. Mm-hmm. Don't think that something bad's going to happen. Just the, the very you know we we all know about a hypochondriac. Right. A hypochondriac will make themselves physically ill through mental processes. Right. you make yourself mentally ill through mental process. So the assumption that something's going to happen can become a self fulfilling prophecy. Right. A pity party. Uh, you know you're stronger from these negative events. The other half of the equation is no macho man, no macho gal. If there is a problem, if you're having trouble, get help. And the docs are good and they get better every day. And, and, and you know, if things are coming unglued, if you're having trouble, get professional help. The docs are good. They get better every day. And flee from anybody who tells you PTSD is for life. Now, that's kind of like the acid test out there. They you don't, know, maybe with the lifetime of therapy, we can adapt. No, stay away from those people. But find somebody out there that says, and they treat military, they treat law enforcement all the time, they treat a lot of people, you know, uh, and uh, and and find somebody and and get help. And, and you know, uh, there, there's so many factors in the equation of wellness. Again, we're in, we're in a chronically sleep deprived civilization. Uh, watch your sleep. Make make sure your nutrition is good. You know, the the baseline. You know, I I got my degree in route to teaching at West Point and counseling, graduate degree in counseling. Make sure the body's healthy first. Make sure you've gotten a good night's sleep. Make sure you've had a good meal. You cannot begin to take care of the mind until the body has been taken yeah, care of. I agree. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, we're kind of coming down to the wire here, but I wanted to ask you, what what is your vision for the future, the next 10 years, let's just say? Let's not go out too far. But, do you, you know, technology is not going backwards anytime soon, even though there's a counter push against distraction like we were talking about. You know, it's accelerating, it's racing. And what it means to be human is changing, you know, rapidly for everyone and violence is increasing. What, what do you see out there around the next turn? Every piece of technology had to be digested. Mm-hmm. We, we had automobiles for 50 years before some genius said, you know, kids probably shouldn't be driving these things. <laughs> you know, I, it took 50 years. And you know what else? They, maybe you should get a license and demonstrate your skills. Uh, you know, it's hard for us to believe that it took 50 years to get there. Every piece of technology needs to be digested. I, I think in the near future, the great challenge for civilization is recognizing that well, we've got to protect our children. Adults can handle this stuff. But violent visual imagery inflicted upon children, violent television, violent movies, violent video games, their body treats it like it's real and they have a powerful response. 
And so we're digesting that. In the meanwhile, uh, that's the battle for our civilization survival, to be able to properly integrate that new technology. As you say, it's not going away, but we can keep it away from our kids. And we mm-hmm. can protect our children, especially when they're young. The first five, six years is the critical time. You know, they should never watch TV or a movie until they're old enough to read. And once they're old enough to read, my, my little grandson was, uh, uh, he went to kindergarten, he was reading at second grade level. Okay, buddy, you've arrived. Time to watch a movie. We'll watch Mary Poppins, you know. And uh, but, but choose carefully, ease them into this whole dynamic. But mm-hmm. the, the dynamic is it's going to get worse before it gets better. Latin America is out of control. You know, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of Google the, 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 the top 20 most homicidal nations on the planet. It was a 2014 UN report. Uh, the top seven are all Latin America or Caribbean. Mexico's at war with the cartels. Mm-hmm. Mexico's war with the cartels has more loss of life than Iraq and Afghanistan put together. Mexico's at war. And that hyperviolent Latin America models coming our way. But Mexico don't even make the top 10. Mexico is number 14. Iraq is number 19. Statistically <laughs> speaking, Afghanistan don't even make the top 20. I would rather, I <laughs> wow. would rather take my family on vacation to Iraq than Mexico. And, and this is new. There was a time when if you lived in El Paso, you popped down to Juarez, did a little shopping, have a nice meal. Ain't nobody pop, popping down to Juarez for a meal and shopping no more. Yeah, I haven't been to Tijuana in 15 years. I don't dare go down there. Old parts of our civilization are coming unglued. Now, the advantage we have over that Latin American model is we got a lot of money. Things right. wrong, we start throwing money at it. And you're going to start seeing cops get paid where they deserve to be paid. The guy that decides not to shoot your kid should be the best trained, best qualified, best paid person on the planet. And, and we're moving that way. We're going to throw money at the problem. We're going to come to terms with it. The initial challenge is to even recognize that there's a problem mm-hmm. and, and to deal with it. You know, the, uh, it, it, we had, we had this in, in, in 2015, we had the worst year-over-year increase in cops murdered in the history of our nation, 61%. 2016, it, it went down. Ah, the number of cops killed is down. No, the number of cops killed in traffic accidents is down. The number of cops murdered is up. So we see all this. Happy stuff coming out. They're the lowest number of cops killed in the line of duty since 1957. But look at the number of cops murdered, and you get a different picture. It's extremely frustrating. Remember, the number of cops murdered is the tip of the iceberg because body armor, tactics, technology, medical technology, every year we hold down the number of murdered cops. Mm-hmm. We bring down the number of murdered cops, it pops back up. And bring it down, it pops back up. It's a, it's, it's a tragic representation of what's going on in our society. As we strive for, for survival, and the average person doesn't even know that it's that bad. So train yourself, equip yourself. You mentioned martial arts. I'm a huge fan of the martial art of the firearm, Hujutsu, www.hujutsu.com. Uh, a Vietnam Ranger right at the very end of the war, the most decorated Alaska State Trooper, I'm named Jeff Hall, high-level martial artist, has resurrected the Japanese art of the firearm, Hujutsu. Uh, after, after, you know, I'm a, I'm a shooter and I thought it was good. I've been in major schools, did a little competition, barely made a brown belt first time. Worked for what, what does the training look like of the art? Yeah, it's, that- it's, it's, uh, it, it's a, a lot of move and shoot. Uh, it's a lot of time drills. Uh, he's got 26 individuals who've been trained in the system in actual gunfights. And they're looking at a 98% hit rate across the board with these guys. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it's hard to believe that something that simple, but you're striving for your belt. You know, 20 million Americans are, are supposed to be in the martial arts by one count. Only a few thousand compete. But mm-hmm. Striving for your belt, striving for that next rank. You know, my, you know, my, my, I, I didn't make the black belt on my test because I kept missing, you know, two to the chest and one to the head inside of two seconds, you know, from five, mm-hmm. you know, from the draw. And I knew what shot I was missing. I got a range in my basement. I'm only home one or two nights a week, but I, but I drilled for, for a year. I knew what shot I was missing. Uh, one of the things in Hujitsu is that you do one, one bullet out of the torso, and it, you're disqualified. It doesn't count for your belt. Uh, you you got to count for every single bullet. Quite an interesting dynamic. A lot of turning moves, a great kata. That there's just one kata at the black belt levels, three weapons retention moves built into it, transition from arm to unarmed uh, combat. I, I, I think 
we got that sounds really cool <laughs> it is just so freaking cool but we, yeah. we have uh we have desperate violent times in front of us but we've been here before the civil war 1812 mm-hmm. they burned washington to the ground the living hell of two world wars the cold war korea vietnam there have been other hard times we'll make it through these times but Americans, mm-hmm. they got to arm themselves, train themselves, equip themselves, and, and we've got to be conscious of just how bad it is. Start with my book, Assassination Generation, and, uh, and, and recognize what's going on out there and, and do a better job with the next generation. And never, ever give up on our nation. Never give up on our way of life. Yeah. Amen to that. Awesome, sir. It's my pleasure. That's it's been really an honor to talk to you, and um, I look forward to uh, to meeting you in person. Good luck with all your travel this year, and keep um, you know keep shouting from the rooftops. And I'll do the same as best I can. And I, I'm just having this really cool fantasy about combining uh, kata with a weapon. I mean, that's just super cool. <laughs> gotta get you. Gotta check it out. Hey, you gotta check that out. All right, that's been a pleasure talking. All right, sir, thanks so much. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Wow, folks, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, author of On Combat, On Killing, Assassination Nation, check out the books. I'm going to check out Sheepdog, the kid's book. That sounds fascinating. Also, My Mama Carries a Gun. Uh, Check out sheepdognifeandgun.com if you want to get into um, any weaponry there. You know, this is really interesting. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of violence in our society, and it is a little bit, you know, as we heard today, suppressed by the media. doesn't mean you can't do something about it. Doesn't mean you should run around in fear. Just prepare yourself mentally, physically, and with some s- skills. So be sheepdog strong. And uh, I don't know if I've ever said this, but that term came from Grossman. And uh, we've been using it liberally for the last few years. So I want to thank him publicly for that. All right. Enough on this subject. We'll move on next week. Um, until then, stay focused, stay alert, train hard, do the right thing. And we'll see you then. Hoo ya. Lock it low, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the UTT. Oh.